My man. This is Joe. He's putting all this together for us. Nope, nope. Stay right here. Stay right here. Joe has done so much that you guys don't know. Uh, let's make him feel appreciated. Love you, brother. I love you, man. Thank you. Love you. Hey, um, I just got to tell you how God does really cool stuff. You might not need to know, you already know that, but um, God does really cool stuff. Um, so Kat, when she sings, she talks in between the songs, and it's wild how all week long, either she got access to our Google Docs, and she knows what we're talking about each night, and she like knows our, our points we're hitting on, or the Spirit's moving, because she talked about, you no, know, he keeps no record of wrongs. Is that me? I don't know. All right. We can switch that out if we need to. Who cares? All right. He keeps no record of wrongs. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. Uh, guys, I'm so glad to be here and talking to you tonight. I'm so glad to see some new hairdos in the crowd. Uh, we, got, we got an island boy in the crowd with us tonight. All right. A couple of them. Uh, an island girl. And uh, I was going to, if anyone wants to break my hair afterwards, go ahead. All right. So, um, yeah, let's do this. Let me take this thing off. This is not working either. Whoa, there we go. All right. This is something I truly believe, okay? I'm going to tell you this. Let's walk, okay? You guys don't got to turn and look. I trust you can hear me. Can you hear me? All right, good. I'm going to walk this mic right back to Mr. Sean. Thank you, Sean. All right. And as we're doing that, I want to tell you what I said Monday night is that Satan likes to distract us, and he likes to uh, take our focus away from what we're here for, but he cannot derail the plans that God has, all right? And he's been trying all week. Some of you guys have been upset. Some of you guys got in some trouble. Some tech glitches have happened, and all kinds of crazy things have happened. Can I tell you something? It hasn't changed what God planned to do. People are still coming to know him for the very first time this week. People are still changing their lives for him this week, and we're not done yet. So let's talk about what we've been talking about. We've put this verse on the screen every night, and we're going to give it one more time. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 12, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So our theme is amplify. And on Monday night, Barry talked about how we can amplify Jesus in our heart. And last night, John talked about how we can amplify Jesus with our soul, and tonight we're going to talk about amplifying Jesus in our mind. You might be wondering, like, so why, why that? So if you don't know the text here, when Jesus said this, he was responding to a question, and the question he was asked is, what is the most important commandment to follow? What's the most important thing for me to do? If I want to follow God, if I want to honor God, what is the most important thing for me to do? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And so, you know, you don't have to be a detective to figure out what tomorrow's topic is going to be about. We're going to talk about strength, all right? Barry's a little stronger than me, so he's going to talk about strength. He's coming back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the mind tonight and uh, what we think about, what kind of thoughts we have, what kind of things we wrestle with up here that nobody knows about. Our thoughts are weird, aren't they? Sometimes we have thoughts that we don't like. Sometimes we have thoughts that we wish we could get rid of. We stay in anger. We stay in sadness. We stay in places we don't want to go. And sometimes our thoughts are just weird and in the sense that they're just really, really random. And we're like, why did I even think of that? Let me tell you a story. When my son was a little boy, 
And so in his defense, he was a little boy. We had a, we had a hall closet, right? It was like in our hallway, there was a closet. And on the door of the closet was like a, a mirror that went all the way down to the floor so you could, you know, do a fit check, I guess. Uh, you could just look at how your clothes looked. Well, my son was little, and one day he walked up to that closet mirror, and he turned around, and he dropped his pants and his underwear, and I won't do the motion, but he, he pulled his cheeks apart, and he pooped on the floor. And we saw, we're like, why did you do that? He said, I was thinking about what it looks like when I poop. That's a weird thought, you know, like, and if you've ever had that thought, please don't try it at camp. Wait till you go home. You know, that's all I'm going to say. We got enough messes and you will not have the cleanest cabin if there's poop on the floor, all right? There are some weird, weird thoughts that we have. When my wife told me what he did, I said, call the doctor. He's broken. I don't know. <laughs> And she, she said, you can't say he's broken. I'm like, I made him. I know he's broken, all right? So listen, that's, that's, that's a weird one. We're not really going to talk about weird thoughts. Bryson decided to look like that tonight, you know. It's a, it's a choice, and it's a thought. I love you. It's a thought, all right? But what's really hard when we talk about what we think about is there's so much we think about that we don't admit to thinking about, Right? There's so much that we think about that we would never want people to know we've been thinking about it. And it's tough, and it's scary. And so we're going to talk about how we can amplify Jesus with our mind. How do we get rid of those thoughts that we don't like? How do we get rid of those thoughts that we, that we keep dwelling on? How do, I, how do I change the way that I think? How do I shift my mind? I think that might be the hardest thing for us to do. First thing I would tell you is don't start with your mind, start with your heart. You might say, my mind is messed up. Why hasn't Jesus fixed it? If you haven't given him your heart and you're not chasing him with your soul, then your mind is really the last thing on his mind. He wants your heart more than anything else. Give your heart to Jesus first and then be willing to trust what he's gonna do in the rest of your life, in the rest of your body, all right? But here's the deal. I could tell you to turn up the, turn up the volume on Jesus and it'd be a nice, easy message and I wouldn't have to put a lot of thought or a lot of effort into it because I could give you the cliche church answers, church camp answers. We could write a little devotion. How do I turn up Jesus in my life? You could be like, read my Bible more? Yes. Go to church more? Yes. Listen to Christian That's all good. That's all good and that all works. The more you read the Bible, the more Jesus is turned up in your life. The more you go to church, the more Jesus is turned up in your life. The more you listen to things like songs like what we sang here instead of the songs that you're actually listening to, Jesus will get turned up in your life. But the problem is, what if the other stuff isn't getting turned down? Then all we've got is two things at max volume blasting in our mind and they're fighting for space and fighting for attention. And it's really hard to figure out what to do. So as we talk about how we amplify Jesus, I think the answer in amplifying him in our mind is really to turn down the volume on other things. Let's go to 2 Corinthians and see what Paul said. He said, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I don't know why I put this down. I need to, to, to look at it again real quick. We take every thought captive is what Paul said. And here's what's interesting about that. We might not have total control over our mind. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to filter out thoughts. Because, again, sometimes they just come to us, right? I think the answer is figuring out how we can control our thoughts rather than letting our thoughts control us. And that's a big distinction. Some of us are controlled by our thoughts 
Instead, we need to take control of our thoughts. How does the Bible tell us to do that? To take every thought captive. When a thought comes into your mind, you might not have any, any say over that, but you absolutely have say over how long it stays there. You absolutely have the power to sit on it and dwell on it or kick it out of your brain and say, nope, I ain't thinking that no more. No, I'm not going to sit on that. I'm not going to rest on that. I'm going to get away from that. Taking our thoughts captive is the belief that we can control our thoughts and not let our thoughts control us. Amplifying Jesus in our minds means focusing our thoughts. We need to focus our thoughts. Focus the way we think. Focus what we pay attention to. Focus what we give our time to. Maybe your struggle is that you always find the worst in the situation. That's, that's my struggle with my thoughts. Ten things can go right and one thing goes wrong. Guess what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about the thing that didn't work. I'm thinking about the thing that didn't click. I'm thinking about the thing that should have went this way, but it didn't go that way. That's something I struggle with a lot is instead of seeing the successes and seeing what went well and seeing what, what we did right, I look at what I did wrong and I sit there for a while and I sit there longer than I need to and that's what some of you guys might do. You focus on your failures. We'll talk about that in a couple, in a couple of seconds. But what we need to do according to scripture is capture those thoughts. Take them captive. Take them prisoner. Take your thoughts prisoner. Don't be a prisoner of your thoughts. Take them captive and replace them. Capture and replace your thoughts. When a thought comes in your mind that says you're not good enough, capture it, replace it with the truth of Scripture that says Jesus loves me. When a thought comes in your mind that says I can't do enough, take that thought captive and replace it that says Jesus did it all for me. That's the first way to fight the battle of the mind. Focusing our thoughts is simply how much time we give to thoughts that we don't want to have. Paul is a great example of someone who could have been controlled by his thoughts. If we know the story of Paul in the Bible, he did a whole lot. He did a whole lot of bad. He did a whole lot of good. And as he was serving Christ and as he was following Christ, it wasn't an easy life for him. When he, when he started following Christ, in fact, his life got harder, and it got trickier, and it got more difficult, and he saw more, more burdens and more problems than ever before. He was thrown in jail, he was attacked, he was betrayed by friends, he was shipwrecked, he was, uh, people tried to kill him. And he could have focused on those thoughts, right? He could have focused on when he went to a town and spread the gospel and how they just started throwing rocks at his head. He could have focused on that and said, maybe I'm the problem. Instead, he focused on Christ, and he took those thoughts captive, and he left with them. So how did he do it? How did he take those thoughts captive? How did he do all that stuff? Well, let's look a step farther at what he wrote in the book of Philippians chapter 3. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, forgetting what lies behind. Sometimes our mind struggles is, is what we've already done or what's been done to us. And some of you are sitting in your past way too much. Some of you are living in the past. You are living in your previous hurts, your previous sins, your previous life, and you can't get away from it. If we look at Paul's previous life, he was about as anti-Christian as you could get. He was literally against the church. He would go from place to place to destroy the church, to imprison the church, to see the church killed. You talk about a person who could have looked at his past and felt shame and felt regret and felt remorse, but Paul said, I forget what's behind me. I forget what is behind me. 
Some of you struggle because you cannot forget. You just keep going back to those choices that you made. You keep going back to that night and say, why did I do that? I wish I, could, I wish I could take that back. And you have defined yourself by your failures and your mistakes. So when you think about yourself and who you are, what you see is your worst night. What you see is your worst moment. What you see is your worst sin, your worst habit, your worst fear, your worst struggle. That's how you see yourself. That's what shame does. Let's talk about shame for a second because that's something that plays a big part of our mind. So shame and guilt are two different things, Okay. I think guilt is a healthy emotion for all of us to have. If you do something wrong and you know it's wrong, you feel bad, right? Right? Okay. That's guilt, and that's okay. That's healthy. I love my wife. If, if I hurt my wife's feelings, if I upset my wife, I feel guilty about it, and I'll apologize to her. Shame is a little different. Shame is when I don't, is, is when I say, actually, let me back it up a little bit. This is a perfect way to describe it. Guilt is when I say I did something bad. Shame is when I say I am a bad person. There's a big difference there, you guys. Some of you guys are living your life saying I am a bad person. I am a bad person because of what I've done. I'm a bad person because of who I hurt. I'm a bad person because of what I said. I'm a bad person because of what I'm doing. Do you know what Jesus says? You are loved and you are forgiven. Who cares what shame says? It's wrong. It's a lie from hell. And you need to ignore it. It's okay to feel guilty. When we sin, we should feel guilty. But we should not sit in it. We should say, I did something wrong, but next time I'm going to do something right. Shame says, I did something wrong, and I'm going to do it again because I just can't be right. It's tough. But that's where some of you guys are at tonight. Scrolled all the way back to my notes where I was talking about my kid pooping again. What is going on here, man? Jesus says you're forgiven. We've talked about that a couple times, and we're just going to keep talking about it because it is really important that you are forgiven. You know what? Shame makes you forget your forgiveness. Let's see what Paul said as we keep going to, to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul says whatever is true... Think about it. If you go in the Gospels and you read the life of Christ when he's on trial just before he's crucified, he meets with a man named Pontius Pilate, and they're talking about truth, and Pontius asks, uh, Pilate asks the question, what is truth? And that's what some of you wonder tonight. What is true? Well, Jesus actually answered that question even before Pontius Pilate ever asked him. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the truth. So if Jesus is the truth, then what he says is true. So we amplify Jesus in our minds by believing what is true. Some of you guys are struggling because even though you love Jesus, you believe things that simply are not true. If it doesn't come from Jesus, you need to question it. If it doesn't come from Jesus, you need to, to test it. I'm not saying it's always a lie, but there's a good chance that it could be. If it comes from Jesus, it's trustworthy. If, it's if it comes from Jesus, it's reliable. If it comes from Jesus, it's true. If it comes from anywhere else, check it out before you believe it, even if it comes from your own mind. So what does he say about you? If Jesus is the truth and what he says is true, what does Jesus say about you? I want you to know. He says, you are deeply loved. 
you are fully pleasing. You are totally forgiven, and you are completely accepted through the cross of Jesus Christ. So can I tell you something? Those thoughts that you wrestle with that are opposite of that, that don't line up with that, those are lies. Stop listening to them. And that's hard. It's easy, like, if someone lies to me to say, that person's a liar, I don't believe them. What if the lies are coming from my own thoughts? That's tough, right? So here's a question I want you to ask. What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about yourself tonight? Some of you don't see your value. You don't see your worth because what you believe about yourself are things that are simply not true. Some of you believe the lies of your mind too much. You say things like, I'm ugly, I'm annoying, I'm a loser, I'm stupid, nobody cares, I don't matter. And some of you believe that, and I want you to know, listen to me right now, if that's something you think about yourself, it's a lie. It's a lie. And I'm sorry if anyone ever told you that, they lied to you. Even if it's someone you trusted, they lied to you. Even if it's a family member, they lied to you. Jesus does not lie, and he says you have value. He says you have worth. You want to know how much you're worth? He left heaven and died on a cross so that he could have a relationship with you. That's what you are worth. You are worth dying for. You are worth all of what Jesus did and all of what Jesus gave. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't listen to it anymore. You know, the major reason I want to talk about this topic this week it's because I know a lot of people who struggle with believing lies that are simply not true, that their minds tell themselves. <clears throat> it's pretty personal for me. I've, I've lost friends to suicide. Um, I, I know people who struggle with things. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I'm the student pastor at Miles City Church. For you Grumlaw guys that didn't know that, I love Miles City Church. I love it. Grumlaw, you guys are great, too. I just don't go there because I, I live way too far away. All right? <laughs> but you guys are pretty good. The first time I ever stepped foot in Miles City Church was August 1st, 2021. And it was a great experience. I met our pastor. His name is Travis Whitaker. He was kind. The message was good. People were friendly. I said, I like that church. We got to go back. They have a thing called the three-week challenge. Man, that thing works good. All right? August 1st, 2021 is a great day in my life. Go back one day. July 31st, 2021, someone I love very, very much, someone I care for very, very much, drove their car into a telephone pole in an attempt to take their life. And I got a call close to midnight, maybe even after midnight, from a paramedic, EMT, somebody responding on the scene. That person said to contact me. I drove there. I went to the hospital with them. I sat by their bed as they slept, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, because the reason they did that was not something that happened. It wasn't a major event. This person just happened to have depression, and all the time, all they could think about was the lies that they believed about themselves. And to give you a little insight about this person, this person is not someone that you would think of when you think of depression. This is a person who was pretty successful in life. When they were in high school, and they're, they're young, so when they were in high school, they, 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 they were on, on, on sports teams. They were fairly popular. They got good grades. They were funny. They were kind. They lived with a good family. They got along with people. 
they, they, you know, he, he's a, it's a guy, I'll say that much, but he, he got girlfriends and things like that. All the stuff that we would want to make us happy, this guy got, and yet he was so unhappy that he said, there's no point in going on, I'm going to end it all tonight. And the only reason he did that is because the lies that his mind were telling him were so big that he couldn't hear the truth of Jesus. And it sucks. And it sucks that so many people believe that. There are people in this room who struggle with that same thing. I know that for a fact. The statistics are staggering. You look up statistics about people your age and who struggles with mental health like depression and anxiety, and they'll say three to four out of ten. Those are just the people who are diagnosed and went to a doctor, and a doctor said, this is what you got. Think of how many more there are. So I know I'm talking to a room of people who either know what it feels like or know someone who knows what it feels like. And it's really, really hard. So what do I do when it's really, really hard? Let's go back to Scripture. Isaiah tells us this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If life or your thoughts have gotten to a point where you feel like you can barely stand, God is so good and God is so muddy that he can hold you up with one nail-scarred hand. You might be here tonight and life is heavy and you need a break and you need a rest. Lean on Jesus. Lean on the power of Jesus. Lean on the power of his hand. Lean on the power of his strength and his might. Some of you, your greatest struggle is what we're talking about tonight. Your greatest struggle is your mind. And I'm not saying that when you do that, it means you don't love Jesus. Some of you love Jesus a whole lot, but you hate what's going on in your head. You can be depressed and love Jesus. It's okay to love Jesus and go to therapy. All right? It's okay to love Jesus and need to take a little medicine to get through the day. It's okay. Can I tell you something? If you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with depression, it's not because of your sin that you are that way. Now, sometimes sin can amplify it. We've been talking about amplifying and turn things up. Listen, man, sin will crank up the volume on your depression. Sin will max out the volume on your anxiety. But you don't have depression or anxiety because of your sin. You need to know that. You need to know that tonight. Mental health is not a result of, of your sin, but it's also not bigger than Jesus. Your problems and your pain and your struggles, they feel big and they feel large and they feel like they're never gonna go away. Can I tell you something? They will. He won't. He's never going anywhere. He's always gonna be here. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is worth investing your life into. You might say, I can't give him my mind. That's okay, give him your heart. I can't give him my mind. That's okay, give him your soul. Give him what you can and see what he can do. Amplifying Jesus in our minds means knowing he is Lord above our thoughts. This is where my notes end. Because <laughs> I didn't really know where I was going to go with it. I'm going to, I'm going to, all right. I just want you to know, guys, Jesus is bigger than your biggest burden. 
Jesus is bigger than your biggest hurt. Jesus is bigger than your biggest pain. Jesus is bigger than your biggest sin. Jesus is bigger than all of it. Jesus is bigger than this camp. Some of you guys are going to go home, and you're going to say, man, I felt the presence of Jesus there. And that's awesome because we did. But you're going to go home, and it's not going to feel the same. And you're going to say, man, Jesus isn't here. Nope. He doesn't live at Lake Ann. All right? The only people that I know that live at Lake Ann get mad when we turn up the music too much. All right? That's all I know. Jesus likes when we get loud. Jesus likes when we thank God. Jesus likes when we praise the Lord. Jesus likes when we turn up the volume on him. So where are you at tonight? I've said it a few times. I'll say it one more. Some of you are so focused on your mind that you've forgotten your heart. The gospel is real, real simple. When we give our hearts to Jesus, it's saying, I want to make him the Lord of my life. Why would I do that? Because Jesus is everything he said he was. He is as advertised, you guys. He is as advertised, meaning he is the perfect savior, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, the perfect God, the perfect father. So when he died on the cross for me, when he died on the cross for you, is to pay for every sin, every mistake, every failure we're ever gonna do. He forgives you, he loves you. And so if you believe that, give him your heart. You say, what does it mean to give him my heart? You don't have to like rip it out your chest or anything like that. It means you say, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. If you've never done that tonight, what a great time to do it, man. Get saved tonight. Here's what I want you to do, okay? We're going to do an old-fashioned style. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to talk to you for a minute. I want to talk to you away from the distractions of everybody else in the room. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. First question, because it matters the most. Is there anyone here who would say, Jordan, I want to give Christ my life tonight. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. I see a couple hands up. All right, that's great. You can put those hands down. When we stand up to sing, if you raise your hand, I would like you to step out of the aisle and find a counselor, your cabin leader, something, and talk to them. Now, let's talk about our mind. I'm, I'm honestly curious. How many of you would say, either I do or I know someone who does struggle with mental health, with depression, with anxiety, would you say, Jordan, I struggle with it. Raise your hand. There's hands up all over the room, just so you know. You don't have to look. You can put them down. If you put your hand up, I want you to know that Jesus doesn't necessarily promise it's going to go away, but Jesus promises that he will love you through it. Okay? I'm not offering you a, a, a free pass or anything like that. I wish I could. I wish I could say there's a prayer that's the cure and that's it, but it doesn't work that way for everyone. But here's what I would ask you to do. If you raise your hand tonight, talk to someone. Because the biggest struggle we have with those issues is that we keep it to ourselves. I wish you could have seen how many hands went up. You are not alone in your struggles. You are not alone in your hurt. You are not alone in your pain. You are not alone in your battle. So stop acting like you need to fight it alone. Find someone to pray with, whether it's a friend, whether it's a leader. I'll put my mic down and I'll come off the stage and I'll talk to you. I don't care. I want you to talk to someone tonight.
Let's talk to him right now. Jesus, we love you so much. But as I say that, Lord, I realize we don't love you anywhere near as much as you love us. Jesus, this prayer is not about us. It's about you. Take over the room. Take over our thoughts. Take over our hearts. Take over our souls. Take over this place. Jesus, for every hand that was raised, I pray that they are moved to act. They are moved to stand and walk and talk to someone. That they pray tonight. And they cry out to you those thoughts they've been keeping to themselves, those thoughts that they thought they were the only one that dealt with it, those thoughts that we don't want. Jesus, we want you. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. We love you so much because you loved us first. Thank you for loving us in our messiness. Thank you for loving us in our sin, in our pain, in our sorrow, and even in our joy. Thank you for loving us when we jump up and down and scream and yell. And thank you for loving us when we drop to our knees and cry. Thank you for being. Thank you for being a God that is patient with us. Thank you for just being who you are. We love you, Lord. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. If you want to move, we've got counselors across the room. You can come talk to someone, all right?